Welcome to James World Fat, a more in-depth podcast than James World Light, sponsored by the students of Solid Rock in Vista, California. My name is Tammy, and you'll be listening to James Parkinson, a teacher of spiritual and esoteric ideas for over 35 years. We have found these ideas and principles to be powerful in our everyday lives as we search for that something more. It is my sincere wish you find these presentations useful in your journey toward inner peace and happiness. There's a dead zone in us, a place where we're dead. As an example, this morning I came in and I said to Jennifer Walt, what's new? Oh, you know, nothing, same old, same old. I said, that's too bad. That's a dead zone. Can you see that's a dead zone? There is no such thing as an ordinary moment, people. It's all a miracle, all the time, right now. This is it. If you were awake right now, the glory of this moment would bowl you over. It's like, wow, look at this. Look at your faces, look at you. You could be happy now instead of looking like you look, if you were awake. But you can't be happy when you're not awake. Machines are not happy. People are happy. Think about it. Machines are not happy. They just go about the business of being machines. And they're generally pretty serious about it. And serious in that instance, and in that case, really means asleep, mechanical. But when you awaken a little bit and start to see the wonder of it all, it plants you in your natural state of being, which is happy. You can just be happy when you are being what you were meant to be, what you were created to be. Our condition is such that we have a huge dead zone in our psychology. The problem with this huge dead zone in our, in our psychology is that it acts. If it were just dead, lying there and not doing anything, it wouldn't be so bad. But it does things. And then we are left to clean up the mess, which isn't really that big a problem for most of us because we sleep through cleanup anyway, if we clean up. We all have points of view that we always mechanically take. I know that this sounds very formatory, but I'm talking about our false personality. And our false personality always mechanically takes certain points of view, period. So you see, it's not formatory. It is exactly the truth. The false personality is machine. And because it is a machine, it always acts mechanically. These typical ways of taking things, the work calls attitudes. I remember when I was in high school, I got a, uh, a report card and you know, it was back in the days when they started to talk about other things than just what grades you got. It was like something, there was something about my attitude. Somebody didn't like my attitude. And I didn't really know what an attitude was. I thought, well, oh, what do you mean my attitude? What's wrong with my attitude? What's an attitude? I didn't understand it. And I think that all of us, come at the whole idea of attitude a lot like that. What is it? What is it? Well, I'll explain it to you. I'll explain what the work says an attitude is. Typical ways of taking things. Typical points of view that we have. Like looking at the sun is something that we have to do indirectly. If you look directly into the sun on a bright sunny day, cloudless day, you can damage your eyes. So we look at it indirectly. You can look at it kind of sideways. You can look at it in a mirror. You can look at it in a reflection. You can shade the sun 
you can sometimes you can take up a piece of cardboard or something and poke a hole in it and look at the sun that way. So different things that people do when they watch an eclipse of the sun. They tell you don't look directly at the sun. There's a reason for that. And burn your retina out. We begin by observing the results of our attitudes. We don't we can't see an attitude directly, just like we can't look directly into the sun. But we can see its result. We can see the sun's shadow. We can see sunlight. We can see sun reflected off of objects. We can see the result of the sun. And we can see the result of our attitudes. Attitudes are formed through long, habitual, taking for granted thinking. Taking for granted is a way of thinking. Hey, how's it going? Oh, same old, same old. What's new? Nothing, same old, same old. Taking for granted what? Same old, same old. Oh, so you're just healthy like you were before. Yeah, just same old, same old. Oh, you're just, you know, you're just being able to pay your bills like you could before. Yeah, same old, same old. Oh, you still have two legs you can walk around on. Yeah, same old, same old. Oh, you still have the use of your hands. You're not paralyzed from the neck down. Same old, same old. Oh, you can still look out and see what a beautiful day it is. Oh, you can still see the green of that tree. Oh, you can still see the silver of the car. Oh, you can still see your husband's brown eyes. Oh, you can still see your daughter's blue eyes. Oh, you can still see your son's brown uh, suntanned skin. Oh, same old, same old. Are you starting to get it? This is a dead zone. This is an attitude. This is a taking for granted habitual way of thinking. And it's got to go or else you're going to end up being a melancholy. And that is an attitude. It's a habitual taking for granted way of thinking. And we don't have to do that. We do that mechanically because the machine does that. But this work is about transforming and not being a machine. We're transformers. I guess that's a new movie or something, isn't it? Transformers. Big kids toys forever. Or a long time anyway. We've got to allow the truth of this to sink into us. It's not enough to hear it. This really has to, you have to marinate in this. You have to really let this soak in. We are not touching life, people. We have full body condoms on. And we're going through life with these full body condoms on, not really directly touching anything. We're touching everything through these habitual attitudes. There's a huge dead zone in us psychologically because of this that acts and just misses it all. And it's really tragic when you think about it. Undiscovered attitudes about the weather, religion, science, other people, politics, cars. Think of all the things that we have undiscovered attitudes about. Well, how many people, when they were growing up, they were Ford people? Okay, how many people were Chevy people? Yeah, look at all the Chevy people. How about Chrysler products? Oh, no hands. <laughs> Back when I was growing up, foreign cars were not that big a deal. There was the Jaguar XKE. You know, that was pretty hot. But mostly it was, you know, Chevys and Fords like that. And so you had an attitude. You were either a Ford man or a Chevy man. That was it. You were either automatic or stick ship. That was it. You know, it wasn't like it is now. You didn't have that many choices. Everything was pretty clear cut. It was either or. So undiscovered attitudes about cars. Politics. I was raised a Democrat. Well, what did that mean? It meant that I acquired my politics from my parents, and they were Democrats. And then I started to think and look around and read. And I generally acquired 
a different attitude from all those other people then, instead of just my parents. In other words, I broadened my horizons and I started taking other people as authorities instead of just my parents. And instead of thinking for myself and making some kind of decision, I accepted something else and became a Republican. And then I accepted something else and became a Libertarian. And then I accepted something else and became a, a Green Peacer. And then I accepted something else and I became a, you know, I'm done with this. There's nothing I can do about this. What I need to do is fix me. And that was the beginning of actually really thinking for myself. I can spend my whole life trying to get these other people all fixed up and straightened out, or I can start to spend some energy and time and attention on me and start to correct the things that are wrong with me and see if that doesn't make a contribution to the world. Religion, science, uh, you know how it goes on and on about those things. You can't talk about those things because people have these habitual, undiscovered attitudes about them. They create a great deal of misery. The worst thing of all is they prevent us from understanding. If you're a Chevy man, you'll never understand a Ford man. If you're a Ford man, you're not going to understand a Chevy man. They're just wrong. You don't understand them. I don't understand it. How can you like Fords? Don't you know what it means? Fix or repair daily. <laughs> you can't like Fords. You have to like Chevys. You get it though? We, we just are so blinded by these mechanical attitudes. No one admits that he has typical attitudes. Our pride and our vanity resist this knowledge. Wow, typical attitudes. I was talking to somebody yesterday and they said something about two people, husband and wife, that said something to them. And he, this person said, what she said was kind of smooth, but what he said was like a bomb. I think what the person said was, well, what she said was like a bomb, B-A-L-M, but what he said was like a bomb, B-O-M-B. And you could tell, I could tell, I don't know whether he could tell or not, but I was standing outside of his group of eyes that was running him. And standing outside and looking at the show, I could see that there was a typical attitude that was in charge about the man. He this, he that, it was a bomb, it boom, 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 boom. And I just smiled. Because what are you going to do with a typical attitude? Excuse me, uh, you're operating from a typical attitude. Oh, yeah? I'll show you a typical attitude. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. You have to see these things yourself. And you can't look at it directly. It's like the sun. You've got to see it indirectly. You've got to see the result. Now it's 24 hours later almost. Now I can present it indirectly. Now, if you want to work, you have an opportunity to take a look at it. Well, isn't that interesting? I do have a typical attitude about this guy. I've acquired this over years of dealing with this person. But here's where we go wrong, is we start to justify our typical attitude. Well, he did this, and he said that, and he did this, and he did that, and he does this all the time, and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And we're, we're buried. We're gone. We swallowed the hook, the line, the sinker, the fisherman, the boots, the boat. It's all gone. We've got to stop doing that. But it takes conscious effort. It takes attention, and it takes right knowledge. Directed attention and right knowledge, which is why I'm talking to you about that. How difficult it is to observe ourselves uncritically. We can observe ourselves, but we're so critical about it. One side of us observes another side of us, but we may still identify and therefore be critical. So you've got one side of you observing the other, another side of you. We're not even going to say half of you observing the other half of you. Let's just say one side of you is observing another side of you in this multifaceted creature that you are, that this machine is. So you've got one side observing another side, but this side that's observing that side is critical of it. That is not proper self-observation. 
That is not what this work teaches. That is not what we are supposed to be doing. Yet, I think you'll find, if you will really take a look at it, you'll find that more often than not, that is what you're doing. Now, I can tell because you get so depressed. The, the looks you get on your face, or you get annoyed. You really get irritated. You get annoyed and upset and moody when you get to see something about yourself. Instead of all excited, wow, look at this, I'm an idiot. <laughs> you know, who, who acts like that? <laughs> well, besides me. There are people who do. There are people who can see what idiots they have been. What, 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 what this side of them is doing. They see it and they're excited by it. Look at that. Because they don't identify with it. Because they're identified with the possibility of expanding their consciousness. With the possibility of seeing something that they have not been able to see before. With the possibility of withdrawing their sense of self from it. And f being free from that anchor. From that burden. When done properly, we can remember the future and the past together regarding what we're observing. We can see an attitude spanning time and become free from it. If you observe yourself properly, you will be able to see a pattern of an attitude if you can see the attitude. You really are doing this right. You'll see the attitude and you'll see where it started and you will see how it repeats over and over and over and over and over again throughout your life. And you will see it unfold into the future. So not only will you see it in this present moment, but you will be standing in time, being able to look and see the past, the present, and the future together. This sounds a little weird, doesn't it? It's not weird because it's really what happens when you begin to remember yourself. What we're talking about is karma yoga. It's finding the right way to deal with an actual situation that we're karmically in. But it can't be done without self-observation. So most people never get to practice karmic yoga because they never really practice proper self-observation. They observe, but they're observing with a critical eye. And when they're observing with a critical eye, there is no possibility of changing how we react to something. Matthew was telling me yesterday that he will see it. He's, he's seeing himself acting mechanically, but he's helpless and powerless to do anything about it. And you've had moments where you have been able to do something about it. But there are times when we start to see something new and it's like, oh, we didn't even know it was there. We're powerless to do anything about it. We just kind of like stand with our mouths hanging open, watch it go by. And then later we can do something about it. But in the moment, oh, we're just kind of stuck because we're so hypnotized by life and by what's going on. So karma yoga is finding the right way to deal with actual situations. Each moment, we're taking some event in life mechanically, in a typical way, through an attitude that we have. If you're alive on this planet, you've got a set of typical attitudes, and that is how you take life. It's your full body condom. And on this side, it's this attitude, and on that side, it's yellow, and on this side, it's green, and on this side, it's black, and on this side, it's purple. And whichever way you are taking it, that determines what light comes into you, how you take it. Oh, well, that's all dark. Well, it's coming through the black side. Oh, that's all bright. Oh, it's coming through the yellow side. Oh, that's all muted. It's coming through the green side. We need to, first of all, acknowledge this truth about ourselves. Begin to see it. Begin to look for it. Let it sink in. Karma Yoga has nothing to do with changing the event, but rather the way we take it. That's what power there is in this work. Not in changing the event, but changing how you take the event. That can alter everything. And so... Changing your attitude can alter everything because that will help you to take the event in a different way. 
To do this, we've had to come to a place through sincere self-observation where we don't think that everything we say and do is always right. Sometimes we have moments where we don't think that everything that we say and do is always right. If you can say that sincerely, honestly, genuinely, truly, if you can say yes, well, there, there have been a couple of moments in my life, not many, but there have been a couple, where everything that I said and, uh, and did wasn't always right. If you can say that, then you have done some proper, sincere self-observation. If you can say, well, no, I, I, usually as a rule, I don't think everything I say and do, it. I almost always doubt myself. What are you doing here? I don't know who I'm talking to. You've got a lot of work to do. That's what I have to say to you. If that's where you're at, you've got a lot of work to do. Get busy. And you've got to do the work, you've got to do the work someplace besides your imagination. That's the problem with that one. You know, it's like, you've got to do this work properly. You can't do it just in your imagination. Our hindrance is that we identify with ourselves as we are. We are so identified with us as we are. We think, this is me. Because we think this is me, we have to defend it. We must defend it. It's in our rep the reptilian part of our brains. We instinctively defend what we identify with. We don't have to think about it. It's there. It's like a heartbeat. It's like blinking. It's there. So we've got to pull our identification out of what we think we are. This thing that we think we are. This self. It's hard to admit that the self that we are is unsuccessful. Look at all the evidence that you have that you are successful. Well, I raised kids and I got a great job and I made this much money and I did this and I did that and I bought that car and I bought that house and I paid this off and I'm this and I'm that and blah, blah, blah. All this proof of how successful you are. Can you see how difficult it is now with all this evidence mounted up on this side of the scale, to drop this little truth over here, this little grain of sand truth over here on this other side of the scale that says, you're an unsuccessful self. Well, I've got all this proof, all this evidence, this mountain of evidence that far outweighs this little stupid grain of sand that you're saying I'm an unsuccessful self. That's what you say. And see, one of the problems with this work is people don't do this work. What they do is what they always do. They take the work and they pretend to do it to look good to somebody. We were talking about this the other day. Somebody was doing something because they wanted my approval. And then it got to a point where they just didn't want to do that anymore. My approval wasn't as important. And so they stopped doing whatever it was they were doing. If you were doing what you were doing because that was what you needed to do. That was the truth and that's the way you knew you needed to go. And you weren't doing it for someone's approval. Nothing could stop you from doing it. When people stop, when people quit the work, people don't quit the work because the work has failed them. They quit the work because they have failed themselves and they have failed the work by doing the work for the wrong reason, for the approval of somebody else. In other words, to be seen by men in a pharisaical way that is doomed to fail every time. It's got to be genuine. It's got to be real. It's got to be sincere. It is possible to take, typical, to take a typical event, a typical situation, differently than we ordinarily do. But you must first learn to observe yourself uncritically. What does it mean to observe yourself uncritically? Well, what it means is you don't take pride in what you see and you don't get depressed about what you see. Oh. <laughs> well, we see that we don't really do that that often. We usually 
get a little puffed up about what we see. Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Or it's like, oh, I'll never make it. We swing on this pendulum back and forth, one side to the other. So that's the first thing we've got to do. We've got to be able to observe ourselves uncritically. We remain in self-bondage because of our psychological dead zone. Our psychological dead zone is mechanicality, these mechanical attitudes with which we take life. It's like going and drawing water from a clear mountain stream in a paint bucket with wet paint in it. It's like, well, the water's all colored and messed up now. Oh, yes, but it's not the water's fault. It's because you went with this typical paint bucket attitude and you colored everything that you took in with this. So we've got to be able to see these attitudes. We've got to be able to see the result of these attitudes. That's the first thing. And the result of these attitudes is negative emotions. The result of these attitudes is a horrible life, conflict with people, conflict with everything, resistance, conflict, strife, but useless, unnecessary. We're not getting anything out of it. None of the suffering that we go through is useful. It just repeats over and over again. Useful suffering doesn't have to constantly be repeated. There's lots to suffer about without having to ever repeat anything. We repeat it all. If you wish to awaken, you must find ways to save and store force. Customary attitudes towards dull, dead moments bleed force. Aren't you feeling like so part of everything wonderful this morning, Jennifer? You are the perfect example. I came in and said, how are you doing? And you said, oh, same old, same old. You know, How's it going? Same old, same old. Just a perfect, dull, dead moment. Just a perfect example. And it's like, you know, it's like, what a wonder. Thank you. You know, thank you for being in my life. Thank you for being willing to be an example. Thank you for willing to being willing to play, to get right out there, you know, and to, and to play. Yeah, and I, I can see that it's like you have a little bit of remorse about it. Oh, I wish I was more awake. Isn't that good, though? Isn't that a wonderful thing? I mean, are you starting to feel the, the poignancy, the pain of sleep? That's a beautiful moment, people. That is real suffering. Savor that. That's the good stuff there, boy. That's the, that's the really rich chocolate. <laughs> you know, Taste that. Really smell that. Really get a feel for that. Because that's good suffering. That's the kind of suffering that will bring about a real transformation in you. Because whenever you can remember that, whenever you can remember yourself, remember that suffering, you'll be able to remember that moment. You'll be able to remember what it is. It's this mechanical attitude that makes this beautiful life dull, dead moments, dull, dead events. This wonder, this incredible existence. Just so, so, ho-hum, same old, same old. What's new with you? Everything. And then I gave the litany of all the things that were new. Remember this morning? We're talking, well, what's new with you? Well, everything. Because, you know, as soon as we get caught, uh, same old, same old, and somebody goes, oh, yeah, same old, same old. They go, uh-oh, I said something wrong. Well, what's new with you? <laughs> Give me an example of how to do it right. <laughs> and I did. Fortunately, there's, everything's new. It rained on the way here L like a storm in the desert. I mean, you know, that John Denver song hit me. It struck me when it started to rain. I thought, wow, like a night in the mountains, like a storm in the desert, like a sleepy blue ocean. You know, it's like just like the aliveness of it all. You know, there's just the aliveness of it all, the, the wonder of it all, the, 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 the feeling, the smell, everything about it. Just an alive time. Exciting for me. We remain in self-bondage because of our psychological dead zone, this mecha these mechanical attitudes. 
A good morning exercise is try to take all the usual discords, unpleasant tasks in an entirely new way. So all the little unpleasant tasks that you have from the time you wake up in the morning, all the little discords, getting the kids out the door to school, getting this, getting in traffic, getting dealing with this, dealing with that, the car won't start, whatever, whatever, whatever. Try to take them all in a totally different way. Try to remain awake and take them all in a don't brush your teeth. Brush your teeth. Don't wash your face. Don't shower. Be there. Be in the water. Feel the water on you. Don't take it all for granted. Don't wash the way you normally wash. You tell him, Tammy. Good girl. That's right. He needs somebody to tell him, doesn't he? <laughs> From a typical attitude. Yeah, a typical attitude. <laughs> It's all right, though. You caught it. And that's what's wonderful about this work. You can do this. You can do this. No matter how hopeless it seems. It seemed pretty hopeless a minute ago, didn't it, Jen? But it doesn't now, does it? No, you can do this. You're just a thought away. It's just a sliver away. You're right there. You can see through this moment to the next moment where you could have this, where you could be awake, where you could enjoy this moment, be happy. So take all of these unpleasant tasks in an entirely new way, even if you can only do it for a short time. Well, so let's say you can only do it for a minute. Well, great, do it for a minute. And then when you remember again, do it for another minute. Do what you can do. Nobody's asking you to stay awake all day. You're not going to be able to do that. But if you can do it just for 30 seconds, 15 seconds, a minute, do it. Be happy. It shows you what work and transformation mean. I want you to see what work and transformation mean. I want you to see what it means in your real life. You could have, instead of a dull, dead moment, you could have this wonderful moment. Well, you can't, Joel, but everybody else can. Joel doesn't look at it. I'm so melancholy now. I don't like it when he says stuff like that. Why does he have to say stuff like that? You're lucky, I guess. You just attract it. No, it's not me. It's you. You're just a bad person. <laughs> and that's exactly where we go. Typical attitude. Can you see? That's just a typical attitude we take the fish. Mommy, what's water? This work is all about taking your ordinary daily life in a new way. Your ordinary daily life. If you're waiting for the big moments, you know, like when you win the Super Bowl, or when you win lotto, when you win the lottery, you know, and you get your $50 million, you're waiting for that moment to do the work. Well, that's not what this work is about. This work is about taking your ordinary everyday life in a completely new way transformation. That's what this is about. When you have a sense of the future in the past, meeting in the present, it has a quality of self-remembering the third level of consciousness. If you observe yourself critically, you'll never have a moment of self-remembering. You'll never reach this level through self-observation. Why? It doesn't work. To observe yourself critically doesn't work. It doesn't get you into a state of self-remembering. To observe yourself uncritically does get you. It leads to a state of self-remembering. Because if you're observing yourself critically, you're always justifying complaining negative, which belongs to the second level of consciousness, the so-called waking state. These states have characteristic manifestations. If you're complaining, it's too humid, it's too sunny, it's too hot, it's too cold, it's too noisy, it's too this, it's too that, blah, 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 blah. She's sitting too close, she's sitting too far away, she didn't fix her hair right, he didn't do this, he doesn't have any hair, blah, 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 all these other things. If you're doing that, you're not in the third level of consciousness, you're in the second level of consciousness. Waking sleep. Look at your life. Are you negative? 
You are not remembering yourself. Are you unhappy? You are not remembering yourself. Is everything same old, same old? You're asleep. You're walking around asleep. If you can observe yourself uncritically, you'll pass from complaining, unpleasant level, to a new state of consciousness, and then you'll see yourself standing in time. I mean, it really is pretty cool. I mean, it really is cool to be awake. It's just great. It doesn't get any better than this. This is as good as it gets right now. If you're not ecstatic about it, oh, sorry, you're sleeping. Just wipe that off your chin there, that drool there. When observing I is uncritical, it begins moving toward real I, which is never critical. While observing yourself with an eye that belongs to a lower level, critical eye, you'll not reach self-remembering. The quality of observation isn't fine enough, and so it'll keep you at a level where you argue with other eyes. You ever find yourself arguing with other eyes while you're supposed to be observing yourself? And you're, you're in a little argument. You're not, you're not observing yourself with an uncritical eye. You need a better eye, that's all. You just need to find a better eye. So where do you go to find a better eye? Well, you go to a better neighborhood. If you're, if you're hanging with critical eyes, and how do you know you're hanging with critical eyes? Well, they're critical. Everything they say is critical, negative. You know you're hanging with critical eyes when you're negative and you hear everything that you hear is in there is critical. Either people saying critical things to you or you saying critical things in your head about other people. Either way, if people are saying critical things to you, there's a, there's a critical eye listening. Mm -hmm. Because an uncritical eye won't hear it that way, honestly. An uncritical eye just goes, hmm, that's interesting. Thank you for sharing. But a critical eye hears it critically. doesn't matter what's said, whether it's critical or not. Critical eye hears it critically. If you're hearing things, if you're hearing people criticize you, you're in a critical neighborhood and you're in a critical eye. Get out of there. Don't wait for the person to stop being critical. That's not going to happen. That's not what happens in that neighborhood. Do you get it? That's not what happens in that neighborhood. You got to get out of that neighborhood, get into a better neighborhood with their better eyes, less critical eyes. Where's that neighborhood? Well, that's a neighborhood where the work has street lights up. There are curbs and gutters and street lights in that neighborhood. Head for that neighborhood. Head toward the light. Head toward the work ideas. You'll find better eyes there. Eyes that know how to observe uncritically. Get with them. Put your identity into those. Put your sense of self into one of those and start to observe. This is all practical stuff, people. This will work for you. So your quality of observation has to be fine enough to keep you in a state of self-remembering. Your best eyes are uncritical. Eyes that never judge you or other people. Your best eyes or uncritical. I know some of you are thinking, I don't have any good eyes. <laughs> what happened? They're all bad. <laughs> it does. I know the feeling. I know the feeling. There are days like that when you're stuck and you can't find your way out of that neighborhood. Oh, I lost my way and I can't find my GPS and my map fell in the gutter and ah, and it's dark and I can't find my way. Then just stop right there and say, Lord, have mercy and reach out to the work and ask for help. And it'll lead you out of there. It will. It'll lead you out of there. The worst eyes are fault finders. They're jealous, they're envious, they're malicious, they're complaining, they're suspicious. So if you find yourself complaining, if you find yourself suspicious about other people's motives, if you find yourself malicious towards somebody or hateful towards somebody, you find yourself envious, you find yourself jealous, you're with a bad eye. How can you observe yourself uncritically through an eye like that? You can't. Through pure feeling of the work, observe yourself uncritically as a mere nobody, as nothing. Just 
Get a pure feeling of the work. Look, this work is about transformation. Transformation. It's not about right or wrong or who's this or who's that. It's just about transformation. I'm nobody. I'm nothing. Just observe what's there. You'll be able to observe yourself uncritically if you do that. Unless we realize our own nothingness, we can't get anywhere in this work. It's very important for us to realize our own nothingness or we're not going to make progress in this work. Do you want to make progress? I know you do or else you wouldn't be here. Well, then this is how to do it. Now, get out there and do it. Thank you for listening. James World is sponsored by Solid Rock Vista. For more information, visit solidrockvista.com.